I'm Cindy Boxer, and you are listening to the Fiber Artist Podcast, where we chat with artists, makers, and creatives who work with fiber, get to know their stories, how they came upon their fiber practice, and more about the person behind the work. In today's episode, I chat with the Sydney, Australia-based creative duo Crossing Threads, made up of two sisters, Lauren and Cassandra Hernandez. If for some insane reason you're not familiar with their work, pause this podcast for a second and go check out their Instagram account under the name Crossing Threads. Okay, are you back? Oh, utterly jaw-droppingly magnificent, right? These two are such visionaries with their fiber art. Their works have been featured in several prestigious interior design and art publications, and Cass has recently made the huge transition of stepping away from her day job and making Crossing Threads her full-time gig. Anyway, I loved this conversation and getting the chance to know Lauren and Cass. So without further ado, here you go. Let's just get right into it since we're talking about your histories anyway. So like, um, I guess I wanted to explain though first that like, I'm basically doing this because I'm personally curious about everybody's histories and backgrounds and like how you found fiber art. So it's kind of like my personal project and in a selfish way just to get to know and be inspired by everybody. And I've been looking at your your work for such a long time and like so impressed by what you guys do. And I'm so curious like how you work together and figure out all of that. So I mean, I I want to go like way back. So like when you were little and all of that. So I guess let's start there. Like, um, I, well, let's start with the basics. Like, tell me where exactly you are now, um, sort of what your life looks like. I know I, w- one of you is still working a full-time job. Um, so kind of just tell me a little bit about that, and then we'll go back into, like, childhood. Okay, great. Cool. Cool. Let's do it. All right, should we begin? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. All right, then. Uh, I'm Lauren. And I'm Kath. and we are the sisters behind Crossing Threads where we work together in creating one-of-a-kind woven art pieces for both private collectors and commercial spaces Mm -hmm. and we've been operating for like the last three years now as a side hustle as a side hustle so that's been something really interesting to juggle Um, but this year we're gearing up to dedicating more time to building our business and doing more creative things awesome yeah so uh so only three years huh it seems like for some reason that it was longer it's pretty amazing how fast you've built the business up into what it is now oh thank you oh thank you it's a lot of a lot of hard work but we're keen for hard work. So, yeah. You know. Wait, so you're in Australia. Are you? Were you? Are you born and raised there and everything? Yeah. So we're based in Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in the east. We're you know only about. I live. We're currently at my place. Where we're only about ten minutes down into the CBD. You'll be in the CBD in ten minutes. Um, and we're of Filipino heritage. Yeah. So our parents came from the Philippines. And they came in um, the early 1980s and they pretty much set their life up here. And then I was born, Cassie came along. Yeah. And yeah, born and bred Aussies of a first generation. So it was really, it's really interesting to have our parents adapt to what the Australian culture is while still having, you know, that that nod to the Filipino heritage and making sure that we live and, and are brought up with both cultures. Right. And yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. So yeah. as you were growing up, um, were you both interested in kind of the same things? Were you always crafty? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, growing up, my sister and I, we, we, we've always been so close and we do everything together. Um, so where it's from us playing in the backyard, you know, in the dirt, try and find rocks and stones and, and patterns in the leaves and stuff. That's always been something um, that we're really 
I don't know, finding beauty in the mundane. Yeah, a lot of time spent on the swing sets, just like swinging and singing and being outdoors. But a large part of our childhood, and I guess going into like being a teenager, was dancing. So we did dancing together for more than 13 years. Cassie pursued it further. Yeah. But, yeah, pretty much from age four, we were going to dancing classes and that involved a lot of costuming. Mm. So I guess that's where you could see where, like, the textile introduction came about and Mm. we would go to fabric stores and watch mum and dad sequence and And our costumes. (laughs) It was a real big production because it was two of us. Of course, yeah. If there was one costume, like, you know, mum and dad, you know, it was always two. It was times two with everything. And I think what's what's really funny is that at dance competitions, we would literally go on hands and knees and find all the different sequences that would fall off the costumes (laughs) and collect them. And have like competitions of so, oh my god, I've got the better one than yours. And, oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, it just kind of came from that. So, yeah, we've, we've, we've always spent our time either drawing or doing arts and crafts at home um, and, and making that kind of our way to kind of share something together and be like, what do you think? Etc. Right. Yeah. So, did you, for the dance costumes, did you make them? Did your mom make them? Or um, were you, did yeah, you, so you we of- had. Yeah, we had a um, a seamstress. So okay. there was like the dancing studio head seamstress, but she would make the physical clothes, um, the costumes, but then every parent had to embellish okay. and sequence themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, make minor, adjust- minor adjustments and like hem here or tack something there. So mum and dad were always with a needle and thread. And I guess, you know, we looked – we looked at them very fondly and like with mm. curiosity as yeah. well. And our um, our grandmother from our parent, my dad's side, is uh, she she was also a seamstress on the side too. So she used to make the um, u- uniform hospital uh, the uniforms for the hospitals here mm. when she also immigrated from the Philippines. So like to this day, we use her um her, her vintage scissors and all of her yeah. like nice trinkets. <laughs> oh, that's you know. so awesome! She, the, yeah. she, <laughs> she a little part of her is in everything that you guys do. That's really cool. Um, so, so then take me up to like, so, uh, you didn't both continue dancing for the whole time. Um, Cassie, you continued, did you continue through university or like? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I studied a bachelor of commerce and finance, but I, I taught dance for four years after, um, because I, yeah, I I thought that, Hey, it's a good part-time job, but also something that I enjoy and could share. Um, but then once I actually graduated from uni and went into full-time corporate work, it was a bit hard to to manage. Um, whereas Mm -hmm. Lauren, yeah, I, I only went from age four to around 16. and then She was a party girl. I just wanted to party. So I, I was like, dancing doesn't serve me here, but it serves me on another dance floor. Right. I understand <laughs> that completely. <laughs> well, you have to go through that adolescence and like a little bit rebellion and all that to come back yeah. around, right? <laughs> yeah. So then what did you um, – so sorry. So Cass, you studied commerce and finance. And then Lauren, what did you do? Yeah, so I've, I guess, always led a creative life. Mm -hmm. I pursued a Bachelor of Visual Arts and Design at uni, which was entirely, like, half of it was the art studio, like painting, ceramics, textiles, photography, and then the other half was purely Adobe Creative Suite at the time. Ah, Um, And then 
Yeah, so it was a, it was a nice balance being really hands-on and then pushing pixels for the other half. Um, and then after graduating, I pursued a career as a designer, so a graphic designer, as you would say, and that has been my key profession for the last eight years, okay. working in advertising. So it's, uh, you know, I've always been creative or used that as my everyday, you know, that was, you know, Photoshop is my tool of trade. It's funny to say that, but it definitely has helped and helped us in our creative journey for crossing threads. Right. And just as, just as a creator, cause I've always, you know, I've delved in interior styling, fashion blogging, you know, done my own photography for a lot of things and, and self-initiated projects and collaborated with my friends. Mm-hmm. So I guess the creative world hasn't, you know, I'm not a stranger to it, mm-hmm. but this is crossing threads and the fiber world is just another another avenue to explore and to flex that creative muscle. Right. And this is like a full, I mean, because I have an adver- advertising background as well, um, oh, where cool. it's just a lot less uh, hands-on kind of a, an experience, which is where I felt like I personally was lacking and I needed to find something like fiber art that got me to where I am now. So so tell me mm. about you guys then. So you're studying in university. Did you go to the same school? And were you like close at the time and, and were you living together? Or like roommate, roommates? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we, we both lived at home until what age around like 19, 20, like, mm-hmm. uh, like what was you finish uni? And then I moved out with my long-term partner and I've been living out of home for over seven years now. Wow. Seven years. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, I left, I left, she left home nest and came back <laughs> when I was 21, um, lived out of home for like a year and a bit. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going back to mum and dad's. Now oh. I was there for, I think three more years. Yeah. And then, and now I'm, I'm, yeah, living out of home again with my partner and, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no one's at the nest anymore, Aww. just yeah. mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. So then how did you guys, and when did you find your fiber art practice? How did this come about? Yeah. So in t- 2015, mm-hmm. I bought Lauren a weaving workshop gift for her birthday and I thought that it would be a nice thing for us to try. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, 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 we never tried it before. So we just thought, why not do a four-hour workshop, see how it goes, and we'll go from there. And during that time, we enjoyed it so much, we didn't even take our lunch break while everyone else went to go get some tea. We just kept weaving. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and from then, we just used um, every other waking moment on our weekends to bring our weaving stuff together and have like a craft noon or a weave-a-thon and just go through and see what we can can, can do with it because it's turned into a hobby and into a passion project and then to something that we're, we're owning more than just, you know, something to do on the side, but something that we're going to give it a good a, a give shot, a, a, a give it a good shot, a right, good crack. Right. Um, and. I think it's something at the end of the day that we both are quite um, happy to share. Um, and for anyone else, like to choose anyone else to be sisters and also business partners, it's yeah. a really it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so. I think I think for the weaving practice, this has become more of a a journey for us as sisters than anything else. Yeah. Like we're so close in age already and already have that close relationship as siblings that, you know, not many other siblings have. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're very fortunate that we've always been that close and yeah. still in adulthood, you know, like I just turned 30, Cassie, you're turning 29 and we're still very close, but to share something that is so personal, like mm. you have to really see, you know, you could do this on your own, like yourself yeah. and many other artists out there. It's right. a solo, it's a solo journey, but to have that, 
yeah, companion. I, I think the ability to co-create is mm-hmm. definitely something um, I, I'm, I think at the end of the day we're really grateful to be able to have that because not, not, it's not, not everyone has that. So. For sure. And, well, that's and what no one I else think, knows you with your sister. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's what I think what I find the most fascinating and I'm so curious if I, I hope that you guys can speak to like how you work together. Like do you plan <laughs> it together? Do you plan the palette? Do you plan the design? Like how does this work for you guys? And is there a conflict ever? <laughs> yes. Yes to the latter. Um, yes to everything. Um, working together has probably been the biggest challenge in a good way mm-hmm. because you know your sister inside out. You know, yeah. we finish each other's sentences and we know each other's vulnerabilities, soft spots, weaknesses, mm-hmm. and strengths. So to put a layer of sharing a passion project or creativity together and then put another layer that's more business-minded, you Mm. can just see how dynamic and complicated this relationship could be. And for us, that's been the most challenging thing is to know how to communicate effectively and also allowing each other to have their own voice and and have this cohesive alignment so then we are working yes in harmony and then that's when the best work comes about and that's when yes. we enjoy it more and I think what was what we're learning and continue to learn is to put boundaries between being sisters and then being rational as business partners and actually taking on criticism right. for me personally um given that I'm a cancerian and I'm so sensitive <laughs> and care about I want to make sure everyone is happy <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> Um, it was this it was the other weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm on the 18th, so oh, that's, nice. that's it's coming. But up. yeah, no, like having having to get Lauren um, provide me honest feedback that she comes from a best intentioned. Like even last week, I got like upset, but it's something that I look back and go, oh, I should have just you know t- take a step back and be like, no, she's saying this to improve to heighten me, to raise me up rather than put me down. But it's mm-hmm. like you can imagine even with like things that you create with your hand, you're so vested and emotionally attached to it of during course. the creative process that when like someone cro- provides, oh, you could fix this part. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but no, it's, 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 it's for the better. And it's like not, not to let the ego get in the way of that. So Right. No, I could see that yeah. being a huge challenge. Um, you know, it, I would definitely – Giving the giving the criticism and taking the criticism or the you know the constructive criticism or the, the comments about yeah. it you know yeah and yeah just the fact that like first of all it's such a time consuming practice and then like so how does it work like do do you take do you each take certain sections do what you're gonna do and then get feedback on it or how does that work so it would work so the query comes about Mm -hmm. so either someone dms us on instagram or emails us and that first query comes um and then you know we do the normal briefing and see what the client is after what size what color palette and inspiration inspiration and then we you know finalize the invoice so with most with all of our commissions the invoice is made client approves we secure a 50% deposit mm-hmm. before production and that helps us in sourcing all the fibers. So here we would actually have a scamp 
So like a sketch that's very indicative of what the end result would be. Okay. Um, you know, as you know, like weaving or macrame, it, it's it a changes. very intuitive, mm. organic process. So, yes, there's always that expectation, um, managing your client expectation to say, hey, like this is the indicative result, but things may take a different turn. Right. Um, but that's just the nature of it. And all of our clients, they they appreciate that. They're like, just go for gold. Like, well, I is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is that because your work is um, very uniquely yours, and there is a definite signature that it's a crossing threads piece. Like, I think everybody, so your clients are going to you really clearly with an idea of kind of what they're going to, kind of what they're going to get, right? I'm actually curious, like, when they send you inspiration, what is, what is it usually? Is it like more like a color inspiration? Because it's yeah. always going to be very textural. Like I don't think you girls yes. can get away from texture. So it's like, so I wonder like, how do you build that into your, into your like uh, the idea of the design you're going to create for them? Yeah, sure. So they would contact us and say, hey, we'll love, say, for example, we'll love something for above my bed. Mm. And I think, you know, with mostly, most of our pieces, they, they can be an art piece as themselves, right? But people are invested in what does that really mean? Yeah. You know, they're obviously they're going to a brand like us or, or to an artist that really want a bespoke, truly one of a kind piece. Otherwise they can go to, you know, a, a homeware store and right. get a wall hanging from there. Yeah. Right? So they very much have that expectation they've got to get a standalone, one-of-a-kind piece that transcends their story. And for us, storytelling is key. And I think that's, you know, that's just the ethos of Crossing Threads, that we're all individual threads that make up the tapestry of life. Mm. We're going through our internal dialogue and external dialogue. This tapestry is happening in here and then what we project to the world. Yeah. And it's about getting to know our client and knowing what does this piece actually mean yeah. to you? Does this symbolize a stage in your life? Mm. Does this symbolize, um, you know, a celebration yeah. of your new home and what does that mean? Yeah. Does it symbolize a struggle? And yeah. mostly they are struggles, yeah. to be honest. There's so, there's so much vulnerability yeah. um, that's, that's exchanged and we overlap with that because yeah. we're all human. And like, I think a good example was a recent commission that I did um, for a client who wanted to have a family heirloom um, to to kind of pay homage to their grandparents who had passed away. Mm-hmm. And they, they provided us inspiration of like a color palette of Tamora where it's got beautiful countryside, canola yellow fields. And then her grandfather worked in the merino wool industry. So putting that together and then finding like the textures, like the raffia and the rope um, and trying to paint that picture. Mm-hmm. It's something that we're so grateful to be able to say, oh, we're creating something that holds so much sentimental value that they can then pass down to their kids and then share that story about it rather than just being an aesthetically pleasing work work on the wall right no I love that you guys really get into understanding your clients and the story that they're trying to um you know evoke from your work I think that's that I I think it doesn't happen as much as it maybe should (laughs) so you must you must be really good at like getting it out of them you know what I mean um, well, yeah, yeah. Like something think, deeper you know, than so, just looking good on the o- over the bed, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's what art in you know everyone's subjective as to what art is and how right. art plays a role in your life and where you know why is there a need for art and. Mm-hmm. 
for those who are seeking that woven piece, obviously there's the need there. They want something that can speak more than words can ever. Mm-hmm. And you know, we can, you know, we can have the ability to communicate that through fiber and through a tactile dimensional piece. So yeah, they would um, either share their story, you know, we we get to know what the what their background is and the context of why they're commissioning a piece. Mm-hmm. Then we also look at, you know, the physical size, the proportion as where it actually displayed in the space. Mm-hmm. You know, we really like to make sure that it's has enough negative space around it. And we always get the height and width of the walls, the other matching decor, whether it's the cushions, the linens, other other textures within the space. And then from that, we both go yeah. in our separate ways. Mm-hmm. We scamp and sketch and then we meet and, come and then we come ah, together that's and cool. we can and pick and mix yeah, from yeah. both of our interpretations. Yeah. Um, and then we would present what, what yeah, what, what we think. We, we kind of want to make sure that we don't um, put an unconscious bias before showing each other. So we want to kind of make it as raw as possible because mm-hmm. we find the work that we work on together is the strongest work. Um, not, not, not to say that the individual picture that we do create, um, we've always had that ability to bounce ideas off and to try and validate, is this right? Am I going on the right, you know? Um, so, but yeah, working together is the, is the best way for us. Yeah. I think that's like, it's just so cool that you can pretty seamlessly do that. Um, do you find that your, your individual sketches are quite different or in a way like you can definitely tell how they're going to intersect? Yeah, I think we have <laughs> we have different styles. That's yeah. undeniable. Yeah. So, you know, when people say visit our feed on Instagram, you know, there's this aesthetic that Crossing Threads is. Mm-hmm. But that's a combination of both of us. Yeah. Right. So, so, so describe your aesthetics um, individually. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you can go first. I'm, I'm very premeditated. Like, <laughs> I think being a designer professionally, like I'm so, I have that design discipline and preface, you know, to understand what the creative process is all about. Mm-hmm. And so I've just come from that background and that discipline of going, answering a brief, managing an expectation, you know, designing to a brief. And I think with Crossing Threads, because most of the time that brief is, not so commercial as what I would face in an advertising, as you would know. Right, you have right. to t- brand guidelines, this and that. This is much more free free flow. So with me coming from a creative discipline background, it, I think there's a bit of both. Like I can be very organic, but you you, you like color and balance. I love color and proportion and like and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love color. I love color and. Uh, the most challenging ones that I find like, oh, this is going to be a challenge, but, uh, you know, the result will be something that, you know, like it will be an accomplishment is, is yeah, is exploring with colour and having that um, restraint and level of control to not go over the top. Mm-hmm. And so the piece is balanced. So I would say I'm very premeditated. I love like to explore with Australiana, colour. kind of this vibe. I love yeah, so I love um Australiana, deep earthy colours. Yeah. That's where I'm very much inspired for. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, and texture, as you know. I, that's what we're known for. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I'm very um 
I'm very the type of person who would actually just go for neutrals. Like I would bathe in neutrals all day <laughs> and just create texture and depth from that. So just choose one color and just go for gold with texture. Um, I've slowly made the transition into color like denims because I love kind of the indigos and that and that kind of structural and really abundant fat stuff. Yeah. A- anything that I can really go into sounds like really wrong, but like <laughs> anything that can like get me all excited like that, I love. I've slowly gone into Lauren's color palette, but that was extremely uncomfortable and out of my comfort zone. But I know it's something that I can that I'm that I can get through. Yeah. It's a good exercise. Yeah, it's a good exercise. But me, I just love neutrals. Like I would do that all day, any day. It's interesting mm-hmm. though, because even as the the pieces come together, while there is color in them, I, I still see them as neutral in a way that because I guess they're um, they're tones that can really be integrated into a lot of different spaces in a way. Like there's nothing yeah. like crazy loud that you don't find in nature. Like I'm not seeing like neon, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So well, I, th- yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think well, well, like every time that we find, we'll try to have inspiration from a color palette, we're very much drawn from mother nature. Mm-hmm. So whether it be like the gradient from the leaves or something that happens as, as they change, etc., right. um, that's definitely something. Or even like we, we do a lot of beach combing. So every yeah. time we go to the beach, we find, <laughs> the shells and the rocks and stuff and anything that forms on on that color palette it's like oh yeah we, yeah we can kind of weave with that You're just mirroring mother nature yeah like, i know i can see that though yeah. i mean it's, it's <laughs> yeah, like i can yeah. totally see that it's so beautiful um okay so so then you come together with your yeah. design you're gonna meld your designs and the parts of each of yours that you like and that you want to present to the client so once you present are you presenting like a pretty finished sketch? Is that what you're doing? You're, are you using actual sketches? Yeah. So we do a sketch. Mm-hmm. I scan them in and then I tweak it in Photoshop and color color them in and add textures where possible. I do a bit of a Photoshop job. Mm-hmm. Um, if the client supplies, well, we really prefer the client to supply images of the space of which they would like it to be hung. And then we put, put it in situ to spec and to scale. So mm-hmm. I think there you're just really managing the expectations. And, you know, at the end of the day, you are – you know, you are providing a service and a product. So you need to be really accountable as to how that's, you know, what the mm. communication is and making sure that you're accountable across the whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you don't, you know, come across any roadblocks or any surprises. Right, yeah. But right. in saying that, there are some serendipitous surprises as part of the creative process. So once you start managing the material through your hands and go, oh, it acts well in this way, but not so well with these other materials, we always provide like pr- progress shots to go, is this, is this what you're after? Hopefully it is. But at the same time, we kind of want to remain true and authentic to our voice. Of course. Um, and to know that the client will have kind of that respect and um, being cognizant that, hey, this is something that it's a crossing threads piece. So, yeah. And the the trust Mm. in you as artists and the reason they've come to you, you know, I feel like it's like, um, you know, I recently, I don't know, I recently commissioned a piece from a friend and at first I wanted to kind of dictate all these boundaries and limits. And then I was like, why am I doing this? I totally trust her as an artist. And then I was like, do whatever you want. And don't even show me. Do yeah. whatever you want, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I feel like people that yeah, come to you, so they cool. know, like, they know they're going to get something wonderful. Actually, I have a question. So when, you have you, when you've shown people, like, part of the way through, has anyone actually been like, no, I'm really unhappy with that? No. No. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Thank God. Hope Thank so. God. <laughs> no, but that all comes with all the planning yes. to avoid yes. that, right? Yeah. So it's that 
really clear communication. Here's the fiber curation, which we put a lot of effort into, into communicating what that is about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we love doing the flat lays. It just produces really nice images as well. And you can really see like the foundation and like that beginning point that that conception of the weave is like okay look at all these colors look at all these textures there's a sense of excitement and like intrigue so then when we do send those yeah key um progress shots it's just you're just seeing a story unfold yeah um yeah and then once we've completed the piece it's that ta-da yeah the loom you're like please stay as it is and (laughs) and then and then we um you know we do go to the extent of doing the proper photo shoot and capturing all the detail yeah you know you know we don't see these pieces ever again most of the time international flown across the world so so we pack up and go bye yeah i know it's uh, it's important to capture those Im- those details and all that handiwork that we've yeah. put into the piece, and that becomes you know our, our folio yeah. shots as well. So, and and there has been like a really um, rare occurrence where we can have the ability to install it in the client's home mm. or in the in their space, which is really one of a kind. Like we we recently did that in Byron Bay, mm. and that was just one of the most like rewarding milestones I think we've we've had so far. Oh, crossing sure. through. Yeah. So when you um when you look back at the earlier works that you've done and then you look at what you're what you've you've evolved into <laughs> now, where are you finding the most changes or growth or you know, what do you think when you think think back at your earlier pieces and then you look at now? Uh the first the first piece that we did, oh shocking. I like we <laughs> we, we literally undid it and then just okay, we're gonna re- reuse the materials and do something better. But it's like it's not until you actually do that you actually know. Um the most the most progress in growth would be um being more um daring with our with the use of materials. So using unconventional materials that wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily use in the traditional form of weaving. Right. So exploring outside of more than just wool and yarn but to like ropes to upcycle materials um we go through kind of co-ops where they've got misfit pieces and actually go through and cut up old vintage leather um using beads we're exploring more now with clay beads um um, ceramics and raffia and i think another part that we've grown in is the scale so we're now yeah. creating yes. bigger pieces. I love it. And I love large, large scale pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, we also want to make sure that it's not just quantity over quality. Like we, like we, we want to make sure that the actual scale does does ring true to who we are, rather than just going, oh, mine's bigger than yours, etc. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think also just perfecting your technique. Right? Yes. Like with anything, any growth failures happen and when they happen early and quick then you know you're on to something mm-hmm. and you need to make mistakes otherwise mm. you're just becoming stagnant you're not really pushing yourself because you're staying in your comfort zone head of structural integrity here <laughs> <laughs> insurance. Insurance. yeah i think that as well you know you're perfecting your technique yeah. you're seeing where the um efficiencies are you know mm-hmm. the shortcuts and knowing where you can bet, you know, make better use of your time and making it more enjoyable. So then mm. when you are making these pieces, it's the creative process is much more intuitive. There's a lot of ease. There's fun. Mm. And then that's where like, that inner energy just 
flows into the piece totally. and um, and just be more fun with it, I yeah. think. You can get quite caught up, like, you know, there's still these expectations like, will it be good enough? Will it be, will it tell the story that I, you know, had in my mind from the very start, but that story changes. Mm. And just to understand that whatever you create, well, it's really a manifestation of what you're going through at that present time. Right. Like, right. still designing to that creative process and you're following stage one to two to three and then final shoot. But a lot of things can happen in between. And I think that's the beauty of weaving and art in general because Mm. it really is self-expression. And that's the thing, like Lauren would be like, can you just give me a drawing of what you're thinking? And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm thinking. I just want to do it. And she's like, no, you should do something. And I'm like, it's going to change anyway, but I'll draw it anyway. (laughs) Well, that's what I wonder too is like, so for example, you know, you have pieces where you'll have negative space in a certain area. Is that plan? Mm. Do you plan it out? Are you trying to, do you try to sketch it out that exact before you get into it? Uh, Kind of, yes and no. Most of the time the negative space just comes naturally. If it's like, oh, I really feel like there could be a breathing space here or or feel that, oh, the actual movement or or curve in this area, I didn't draw it, but it's actually happening. So it's having to be able to just kind of have the belief in yourself that, oh, if I do this here, then I can kind of envisage the balance over here. But that's where working together and being able to bounce off ideas is really good because I could be looking at a piece for eight hours and going, oh, this is so crap. Like I'm so over it. What like really is that good? And she'll come over and be like, no, it's really good. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And then you could do, you could do this in here. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. It's like, yeah, kind of having to not 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 necessarily that validation, but having that ability to be okay. I am on the right track, and she'll see yeah. it from a different perspective. So right. So do you take turns um, doing the actual weaving, or how does that work? Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on where we're living. <laughs> yeah. This is a common question we get, get yeah. asked a lot. It's like, do you weave together? Right, How like the logistics, yeah. 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 So depending on the size of the weave and then that depicts the size of the loom, most of the time we would go one, like we would lead a project by ourselves. So when, yeah. they, when we look through our production schedule, it's like, okay, who's really available to yeah, get it done to meet the deadline? Yeah. And then, you know, someone will put their hands up and say, I would lead one weave. I would weave from the very start to the finish and obviously bounce ideas with Cassie. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, or I might chime in halfway and, like, spend a few hours creating other, like, p- parts of the weave that then she'll then incorporate into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, for, for the bigger ones, um, we, we definitely block out the time to do together and actually be physically present um, and structuring it together. Because um, the loom is big. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't move it around like, everywhere, yeah. yeah. So it yeah. has to have a home from day one and yeah. deciding on whose home that is. Mm. Well, now most of the time it's at Cassie's because yeah. she got higher ceilings to company <laughs> to, to cater for the, the actual height of the loom. Right. So right now yeah. we have a big two-metre wide two-meter tall one that we're um that we're about to make a start on and that lives at Cassie's yeah our, our dad helped us made it I like know I know exactly which one you're talking about because when I was yeah, it, I told one. my husband I was like babe you see this you're gonna have to make me one of these eventually <laughs> I was like this yeah, is yeah. so cool oh thank you thank he's you. so we're very grateful that he wants to play an active part yeah, in it and he's always so awesome so and, and yeah and like you know being an Asian dad you know 
to, to say <laughs> communication isn't always the strongest point, but to like, I think that's where our level of um, perfectionism and hard work, I think has come from our parents yeah. and to know that he's like, if I'm going to build you a loom, it's going to be a very good one, not, <laughs> not a crappy one. So I'm like, yes, dad. You Stru- know. Structural integrity. Um, <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, then that so one, awesome. yeah, that loom lives at Cassie's. So then yeah. I would need to make time at yeah. my schedule to go to her place. Yeah. So that's right. where the logistics really becomes. Yeah. And, and like I, I, feel, I still work full time. So yeah. I'm gearing up for six months sabbatical in October. So I'm literally weaving before and after work, which is exhausting. Um, but I love it. Um, but it's just one of those things that once we are in the same kind of body clock and, and work schedule, like having having to coordinate that would be much easier I think so right wait what did you say before I think I misheard you um what what's happening in, in October I'm having a sabbatical oh okay so yeah That'll yeah be good. So, so yeah so like six months to truly focus full-time just on crossing threads oh, that's awesome. um, my work has been really like supportive in, in in doing that too um so at, at the end of the sabbatical I have I have the ability to come back to work which is mm. always a nice option to have so we'll just see how just to see how we go but yeah, trying to finally find the time to dedicate and just focus all the energy that I put into my daily corporate nine to five into the work. I'm just really excited. You'll be amazed, I think, at how much you're going to be able to accomplish and how maybe probably invigorated you're going to feel not having to do it like in the evening hours when you're already super exhausted. It's a total, it's a total game changer. I hope you don't go, I hope you don't go back to your corporate job. Ah, uh, well, hey, like I, I don't want to burn any bridges because, because, like you know, even if it means that I, that, I'm, that I may come back, you know, in a part-time capacity, etc. Yeah. Or I don't know, like I've I've worked at that company for over seven or coming to seven years now, so they've been so supportive in everything that I've done. You're working um, in finance. Um, yeah, so I'm working fintech in, in financial technology. Okay. So in a nutshell, I implement trading software to banks and traders. Okay. So, totally different. Totally yeah. different. Yeah, so which is where I think um, the whole appeal and meditative release of um, weaving comes from. Like I practice yoga every day and that's another like another form of having to have that release and stress from the nine to five. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Um, okay, wait, let's go back to like creative technique because I'm curious. Have you guys, like, since that first weaving class, um, have you taken other classes or has all of your technique development just come from experimentation? Pretty much experimentation. Yeah. 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 Like we, when we were, when we first started, we weren't living together. Mm-hmm. So to maintain that relationship as sisters, we would go, you know, catch up across the weekend, which was the only available time in our schedule. And so we saw like two birds, one stone. Let's catch up, but let's weave as well. And practice. And practice. Yeah. Yeah. So we just kept on we just kept on developing our skill set, you know, like we'd done some odd classes. Like we did a Shibori class one time. I did like a random, a random um, vessel weaving workshop, um, which is made out of like, you know, basketry, basketry weaving. Um, But no, we haven't been technically or formally trained in any way. Um, yeah, but, but in saying that for our, my birthday weekend at the end of this month, we're going to learn how to, Soury weave, so on the yes. soury looms, yeah, yeah, throw the yeah. shuttle and stuff, yeah, so her, the floor loom type, yeah, thing, yeah. Loom. yeah, yeah, and give that a good crack. I so, understand that to be extremely meditative, like a totally different thing yeah, than working on like a frame loom at home. 
So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you've got rhythm and stuff. Yeah. So so keen to work on that and see how we can implement that into our crossing threads aesthetic too. So awesome. Wow, it's so cool. <laughs> like just the whole process. <laughs> it's like well, it, first of all, it's like mind blowing to me that you I totally thought uh, you guys were both doing this full time. And um, yeah, I mean, and I also just assumed that you were like living together and doing like live work studio all day long, like every I hour. Love her, of the but day. I can't live with her. No, we can't <laughs> live together. Like, see, that's, no. that's, I think that's the thing. Like, with, with the journey itself, we're still two different people yeah, really. that come together that cross threads, mm-hmm. yeah. that come together yeah. to, 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 you know, to build on something that is both of us but still separate to us yeah. and that has that that line is always blurred and I you know that's I guess there's a beauty in that but we're still very different people but when we do come together there's that beautiful harmony there's those serendipitous moments there's the presence there's the, the presence yeah. there's enjoying each other's company but behind all of that, there is a lot of hard work. And if, you know, people, you know, people did think, do think that we're full Yeah, time. Oh, well, I'm, that's such a nice compliment. It's a but nice compliment. At the same time, we're so humbled. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, so much hard work to, to put into this and planning. Like, we literally plan our calendars three months in advance going, what are you doing this day and time? Okay, we're doing this this fiber curation. We're photo shooting this. And half the time people don't even know that far ahead what they're doing in six months' time, et cetera. But, we, but, but we're making it a priority to be part of each other's lives and making the time to, um, which is what has helped us get the oil to kind of grease the big wheel, right. et cetera. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So what do you hope um, – so you'll take your six, five months, six-month sabbatical. Um, yep. What are you hoping for the future of Crossing Threads? Like what would be your dream, you know, however this develops into, what would be like the dream for Crossing Threads? I think this is – yeah, that's a really good question. And I think the dream also needs to reflect what your general life outlook is. And for us, it's having that – sustainable relationship with creativity in general, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Like I've always been creative. Cassie's creative as well. You know, creativity is just so subjective, but it's like, what can you do in your life that serves you and has that balance and the freedom to choose what you want to do yeah. in a day? Like, in yeah. a day. Yeah. Like I left full-time work to dedicate more time to crossing threads. And, you know, there's times where you know, for the last two weeks, I've had, you know, capacity to dedicate to Crossing Threads, but I've also been freelancing as well because mm-hmm. I still want to, you know, still keep that other creative engine sharp and keep that running because it still serves me in other ways. Right. So it's about, yeah, I think I think for Crossing Threads is for us to be able to create work that has the ability to communicate and tell stories to our clients, but also have have that level of balance where we can choose what what we want to do in our day and make it fulfilling yeah. and not necessarily do something for for another like for someone else like for anything else crossing threads is something that we own something we're so like so passionate and to back behind mm-hmm. um and for something that you know we, we put our hard work into it's something that we're willing to because we know that this is something that will give us not only spiritually um hopefully financially which is what we're trying to build up in terms of the business right. but something that we can be you know b- bring it back fulfilled fulfilled like so telling our parents you know hi mom and dad we're going to quit our full-time jobs to create art 
you know, it's it's an ideal of success that isn't necessarily communicated or um, the, the traditional form. So right. trying to trying to share that and take them through that journey was a struggle. But now now they're very they're, they're very supportive. But um, trying to define our own level of success, which is to be happy in in finding you know what choosing. To, to, to do the things that we want to do yeah and yeah. And, that, and that keeps us balanced and happy yeah. um yeah, yeah. um well, I, just, just, oh, I, I just want to ask you so when you um let's see so lauren when did you leave your job april this year oh just yeah. recently too yeah okay. just recently so yeah. you did you tell your parents ahead of time that you were going to be doing this and did you have to explain your whole plan of action and and your business plan? like how did it go <laughs> Yeah, so it was definitely something coming up. There was something I've always wanted to do. I was I turned 30 this year and I think to mark that 30 um, birthday was like, do what makes you happy, Lauren. Yeah. And I wasn't happy in my full-time job. Um, and I was really just seeking purpose and fulfillment. There was, I had a lack of time and time for me and I guess to, most, to everyone is a luxury. Yeah. And you can always make money there's always opportunities to make money but there's you can't get back time mm -hmm. and so to come from that mindset I was like where do I want to be invested in what do I want to do that truly makes me happy and knows that knowing that I can go to bed saying you know I did mm -hmm. something really good today that yeah. pleased me um that exercised my creative muscle that I shared with someone else it's weaving. Yeah, of course. And to be able to create that reality in just general, anyone create their own reality if it's you want success. to manifest it. Yeah. Right. And success could be anything. So for me, it was like, I'm going to quit full-time work. My workplace was very supportive. They knew what I was up to. On the weekend. On the anyway. weekend. <laughs> of course. Work. Yeah. I mean, you know, crossing threads wasn't new to them. It's right. like, you oh, wove yeah. again. I'm like, yeah. And I didn't have a weekend. <laughs> right. So having that, yeah, you know, no time to fill my own cup in a forty-hour working week plus weaving. That really took a toll on both on us. of us. Yeah, and your health, and your health too. Like it gets exactly. to be really, really hard. It's just so many it's hours. Really, yeah. yeah, the health, the your mood swings. You know, yeah. just your whole outlook and it's like why am I fussing over this like I can make my life work for me but mm -hmm. you need to step up and be able to own that and look okay what do I need to physically do to make those changes to serve me and that was leaving work mm -hmm. so I left work um mum and dad were very supportive it was like look this is what makes us happy and mm -hmm. here's my plan I'm going to freelance and I'm going to dedicate the remaining time to crossing threads mm. and there will be a bandwidth of either or right. if there's more demand for freelancing great if there's more demand for crossing threads great mm. but we can make it work if we made it work with a full-time job when we can make it work we're not we're not working full-time yeah, yeah. Of course. and I think yeah so that's just um that's my men that's my mentality and I guess when Cassie joins in yeah. October it's also thinking, you know, Cassie, what do you want to gain out of this? Yeah, As exactly. much as it is a, a duo and a partnership, it needs to serve both of us. And, yes, we're aligned on the key fundamentals as what we want for Crossing Threads, but we both want, want to do different things. Yeah, yeah. You never know what's going to happen. Right. We could go full steam ahead three months in of the six-month sabbatical, but, you know, one of us can go traveling. One of us could pop out a baby. Yeah. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, no, it's like... Uh, was that a, was that a knowing look or was no, that just no. a hypothetical? 
Oh, but like, but like, it's it's like not to say that um, you know, you can't have a business and have children too. But it's, I think I mean, you have. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You just make it work, right? You do. When there's a rule, there's there's a way. But I think what Lauren's trying to say is that before before when thing before you know kids happen, and in the sense that we kind of throw in the towel. We both want to say to our future kids and their grand and our grandkids, Hey, this is what we did when we were young. This is, we like gave it a shot and you know, like anything in life, it can fail, but we'll work through it uh, and we'll find a way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're going to be very surprised to see how incredibly, like how much you'll grow when you, when you're given the full-time opportunity to, Um, I mean, I'm only saying that from my personal experience, but like, it was like, as soon as I, and I knew, like, I did it in a a smart way. Like I waited until I had replaced my salary and where I had a plan going forward. But um, I, you know, had I not given Neuron Studio a chance to grow, like it just, it wouldn't have, you know, like it was just because I was pulled in too many directions. So I think I'm just, I am very confident just thinking about your work and the, the both of you and giving it that full time, I think you're going to be really surprised like what, what comes up and what develops oh, from it. Seriously. Well, how, how has it been for you? Because like you just said, you know, that pull, because, you know, a lot of people say if you're never going to do it, then the business situation or the creativity situation won't change. Yeah. You don't dedicate that time for it to breathe and flourish. It would yeah. just remain a side hustle. So, you know, like, what was for you I, when you, you decided know, to go? I just knew, well, first of all, I mean, I was so physically taxed um, because I would just take, I was taking only only commissions. They were all like made to order, you know, custom pieces. And I would just have a, a bunch of them in my queue. So I was working full time. And then in the evenings, I was just trying to get as much done mm. on a piece as possible. And since I always worked large scale, they're all big pieces. So they each took, you know, I don't know, however many hours, 12, 15 hours each. Um, and so I would just constantly have this queue and I was just so tired and run down. I eventually just got really sick. Like I had the flu for like over a week or something. And I was like, this is, this is too much. Um, mm. And then I had, and I just realized that I, first of all, like I was done with my job. Like I was over it. So it's like, you know, that's different for you. I think that, um, like Cass, it sounds like you still really love yours and all that. So I was like over yeah. mine. I'd done it for almost, you know, like, I don't know, 12 years or something. And I just did not fulfill me at all. And it was really like everything was pushing me toward quitting. All of my successes yeah. in the business, all of the, like every time I thought my commissions were going to end, they just kept coming. And I was like, okay, like <laughs> this is a sign for me. You know, I was like, I can yeah. do this. Yeah, um, yeah, so I just had to listen to that. I was like, I know that I can take this. And even if I'm not going to make a gazillion dollars, I will be so much happier doing this than I than what I'm doing now. And a lot of it was like yeah, because right. of kids, I knew that it would give me a more flexible schedule. So it, for me, it was everything in my life was pushing me toward, toward quitting. Um, yeah. So I kind of knew it was kind. It was like it was a pretty no brainer for me. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think everyone goes through well change, right? Change is so part of life, and when you're pushed into really awkward, uncomfortable situations, that's just life saying that this your current situation is not for you. Right. So you need to go through that next evolution. And we're yeah. going to continue going through that next evolution day after day. Totally. When your priorities change, when your values change, things have to shift. And I guess you just got to go with it yeah. and follow your heart. 
how lame as that sounds, but no, it's true though. Life. It's true though. And I think all that momentum and that energy and whatever you're putting into crossing threads or whatever you want to put it into, that's that's the part that's gonna grow. So, you know, whatever steps you take in whichever direction is where you're gonna end up finding that like the most growth. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, um, so totally. tell so tell me business some some business aspects of uh, of what you're doing with crossing threads right now. Do you take do you guys have time? Probably not to but to create works that have not been commissioned. Yes. Oh, you do. We just finished one last. Yeah. Month. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. So um, that's a good question you asked because we we found that having to do the commissions day in day out really took the glamour and and lust and glow out of the creative process. Yeah. And so we've made it um, a commitment that we at least like work up to 50, 50% of our time of commissions and then our own creative outlet. It could be anything. It could, oh, I just want to experiment with new basketry rope or yeah. I want to do this and that. Um, and we found that that's really important to keep that flame alive. Um, and, you know, half the time, you know, commissions are great and it's great to connect and, you know, everything that, that, that we've raised. But at the same time, having to create to a brief doesn't necessarily mean that we will grow um, creatively mm. in that kind of respect. Yeah. So having to mark out time for personal growth is so important. And there's some things where I, where I would go, hey, Lauren, look what I made and not tell her. And she'd be like, what? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and she'll find these awesome beads or like, oh, I'm going to use this. Or it's like, you know, I went to a clay class. Blah. This is my secret stash. This is my yeah. secret stash. <laughs> yeah, we have our secret stashes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So which is really important. Um, and half the time you just want to keep challenging each other. So that's really important too. And and then what once we do create it, we'll put it online or wherever and people will go, oh, is this for sale? And half the time it's not even meant for sale. Like right. we had this stylist approach us for this large piece for Entangled, which I kind of created during a time when I was going through some um, personal grief of losing a loved one. Um, and they loved it and they put it in a home for a photo shoot, for mm. a, um, you know, a styling photo shoot. And then the client was so happy about it and they're like, can we just – Buy it off yeah. It's already there hanging. It looks like fit for home. It's perfect. And is it available? I'm yeah, like, I'm like, well, oh, yeah, yeah right, okay. Yeah, it is now. Right. <laughs> oh, totally. So, See, that's the seren- That's the kind of serendipity that happens. You know. Yeah. It was. Yeah, me- it yeah. was meant. It was meant for that space. And you just didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's also practicing kind of like the non, the non-attachment. So although you get really attached to the piece because you're so emotionally invested to it, if you know it's going to go to a good place, mm-hmm. then there's no need to be upset when you do say goodbye. Although it's really hard to part, know that it's, you know, okay. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah. so let's talk about marketing so, a little bit. Do you guys reach out to try to do your own public relations work or do most of the things that come to you come to you without you having to go out after them? Most of them do come, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's very important to be proactive mm-hmm. in maintaining that presence and networking and having those connections in real life than mm-hmm. just online. I have a background in interior styling and I guess with my creative background and my creative circle, you know, it's never ending and things change and people come up. So it's been really nice to connect with people in my circle and also Cassie's circle as well. You never know who's looking at your work. And that's just the beauty of like Instagram and being online. So, yeah, we do actively 
um, reach out to some people who we want to work with. I think, you know, we have our weekly whips and yeah. we touch base, um, you know, what what have we learned from the last week? What do you want to do? What are our key milestones for Crossing Threads? And we yeah. would nominate, a couple, you know, two of them. Let's aim for this this month and see what happens. Yeah. And mm-hmm. always keep aspiring to, you know, like people – People who want to support, who want to collaborate with us, that's great. Let's get on that. Let's get on that on that train and see what we can do and what we can create and how we can work together cohesively that serves both parties. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, so, when you think back to before you guys found weaving and you found this practice, and before you established crossing threads, do you feel like? Do you feel like you were searching for it in a way, and like you found this thing that was gonna be your thing, like, and, you know, I don't know, think back, do you feel like somehow fundamentally changed? Yeah. Well, for me, I, I find it really hard to be by myself, you know, like at home when you're home alone, what am I going to do? And before I found like, you know, I had to stop dancing because that, that wasn't something that was sustainable in the longer term. Um, and then I found yoga, which was another, which like another meditative practice, but being home, like my partner, he's a, he, he plays soccer and trains a lot, um, as well as us full time. So that's, so there's a lot of home time alone and finding weaving helped me to be comfortable in just sitting with myself, um, taking the time to sit with my thoughts. I know it sounds probably a bit lame, but I've got this internal dialogue that happens all the time. And um, weaving helped me quiet, quieten down and actually be more present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that, a couple of days. That doesn't sound lame or, at all. I feel like I, no, I had that right yeah. now <laughs> all week. <Yeah. laughs> and it's like I'm always thinking, what's next, what's next, you know, yeah. and if I'm not sitting still, I need to be doing something. Um, and weaving for me found, gave me that release um, and that ability to accept and just be, it's okay, whatever you're feeling, it's okay, just just, just sit with yourself and work through it. And then, you know, there's so many hours that go past and then my partner will come home and be like, are you still weaving? I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> you know? And like perfectly um, happy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some days I I'm like, oh my god, it's like twelve o'clock. I should go to bed. I'm working the next day, but I just keep have to have to keep going. Um, and weaving, what for us as sisters has found a way for us to share something that isn't clothes or you know, oh, let's just do this. That's right. not you know, it's just like a, a shiny thing. It's something that has resonance, has longevity, um, and something that we can actually tangibly see right. and right. and work and work with hands. Yeah. yeah. How about for you? Weaving and crossing threads is, I guess it's a, it's definitely a passion. It's, it's like my baby. I guess both of our babies, but I see it as like, this is the one thing that I can, we can own because we birthed it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to have that, not attachment, but knowing that you've, you know, you, we worked together to build something from the ground up, that means a lot. And whether, mm. you know, what is success, what is failure, as long as you're doing what you want to do, great. Mm. And for me, coming from a creative background, this was the opportunity to apply all my cumulative experience in branding, blogging, advertising, yeah. physically making. And, and art and designing into something that I truly feel passionate about and a brand that I will back and have backed and yeah. will continue to back mm. because it's it's not just um, this thing that exists out in you know out in the world but it's a piece of us yeah it really right. is. yeah yeah. Um, 
you, so yeah, yeah, definitely has been a calling and it's been a gift. Yeah. What you see is what you get really. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I know when was so when you were when you were younger, would you ever have thought that you would have created like your own business? You know, it's like no. this is like your full on entrepreneurial baby, you know? Yeah. No, like I've I, we've done everything by the book. I personally have, like true Asian style. Yeah, same. <laughs> You know, like study hard, go to uni, get a good job, no no gap year, get straight into work. In finance, work. no less. <laughs> What's what I mean, yeah. right? And, um, and, and it's not to say that I'm not grateful or, or regret that in any way. Like it's, it's, it's made us to who we are. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to say that, you know, oh, something that just came from a four-hour workshop and just – weaving weavathon has now yeah. turned into something that's quite commercial and viable um you know it's it's great you know yeah it's a gift I think that a lot of people you know probably they're still searching for what really serves mm. them and what's their true calling and what really makes them happy and some people probably are still stuck in a rut or doing something so passively that it's just like they're floating right. but with, mm-hmm. with crossing threads, it's definitely become this northern star for us that we're swimming to something. There's a direction, there's a purpose, there's an undercurrent. And, mm. you know, that's fantastic to have discovered that now in life. Yeah. And whether, you know, our, 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 it will change our, again. Yeah. Our, you know, yeah. it might change again. It might it not be weaving. It could, yeah. yeah. something totally different. Yeah. 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 So, so many possibilities. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. It's funny because um, we, we we recently filed for intellectual property trademarking mm-hmm. and we had to do in classes, like as to what we're going to do. And it really, um, and protect it, but it really um, opened our minds as to Crossing Threads is the brand and, and the ethos, but our products can technically change into something else or, or morph into something else. So, yeah. you know, having to keep that kind of longer 10-year perspective is also quite giddy like, yeah. it, like you feel giddy, like oh my god but um at the same time it like, really asks you yeah. what, what do you really want from this right. and yeah. what is that the picture it's interesting you to, to think about and and also slightly terrifying right you're like wait but i kind of know what it is right now but then what if like what if and what's out there for it you know yeah yeah well, exactly. that's the beauty of it, it isn't is. it it is yeah. definitely um do you do you guys keep in touch with your workshop teacher whoever taught you yeah, so Natalie Miller oh, was, was our Natalie workshop Miller. teacher. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, that so makes sense because you like learn mm-hmm. from one of the best. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's such a pioneer, right? Yeah. She's go get doing her. everything. She's in Vietnam at the moment doing her creative retreats. Oh, We're like, so oh, cool. we should go to. Total like bucket list. Her, yeah, yeah, building yeah. her dream home in Kangaloon. <laughs> and she, and you know, she dyes her own wool. Oh yeah. my goodness, like amazing yeah so, she's really doing it it's definitely a trailblazer in this um in this field for sure yeah definitely so yeah there's a fair few um um aussie artists that we've we've met yeah um, um just you know met face to face in you know yeah so like and whatnot another, another like kind of role model that we look up to is jackie fink mm-hmm. she's the mm-hmm. you know the extreme yeah leader, extreme leader, and, yeah um, yeah, and I and personally for me, she she also came from like a corporate nine to five and found solace um, in terms of also like spiritual well being through her art, right. um, and that's just something that I am always inspired by. Um, and you know, in, m- most of our clients are international, but we also have international connections with other makers, which is the beauty of Instagram too. Yeah, totally. Um, 
you know or, there we yeah, go exactly yeah exactly yeah so and, and, and like, I think it's so good to have that because although you are in the fiber world, you don't really know what you don't know unless mm. you reach out to what's happening with, with other people around the world and stuff. And you're like, oh, look at this. And uh, another one is Tammy Kanat. She's yeah, amazing. she's incredible. <laughs> Actually, I want to reach yeah. out to her for this podcast. Um, Definitely. She's so lovely. Yeah. yeah. We, we've never even really chatted on Instagram. I'm just like one of those people that kind of stalks her feet. I'm like, like, like oh. everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like, <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely, definitely yeah. link up with her. She's yeah. um, really lovely. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, so actually, speaking of Instagram and just the whole weaving community, I'm sure you've noticed has become so, uh, it's become such a big thing. It's really popular now. Um, do you have any advice for people who are kind of starting out right now and just trying to find their own voice in the space? Yeah, well, um, like us, we also struggled in trying to find our own aesthetic. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are so many other artists that you go, oh, that kind of technique, I want to try it, et cetera, and see, and see how I would go about it. I think the core fundamental thing is to, it's fine for you to try because everyone's got to find their voice and take the time. Um, but just keep working and experimenting in your own, in your own way. Mm-hmm. I find that there's so much room for everyone out there to shine and there's so much room for everyone to express themselves in a different way um you know we see it time and time again people copying other people's work and it's just heartbreaking Mm -hmm. especially with people who have had such an established you know aesthetic and they've put the hard yards and you know for us finding our way we only got it we we, we only got it through actually doing um and all of us are very different everyone there, there is no other lauren or Cass. there's no other person so there is room for you to find your own way and your own aesthetic, whether it be adding something that inspires you or you just love this sort of material. Um, yeah, there's there's room for everyone to shine. So just, just keep at it. And for something that you go, oh, this is me, this is my calling, it's easy for me to do this kind of way, then that's kind of who you are. Right. Um, and, and just keep trying. What do you think? Yeah, the whole copying <laughs> thing. Know- Um, I have thought about it a lot and it used to really irk me when I would see direct exact copies and it still does, but Mm. I am now beginning to realize that those pieces, um, those pieces are usually one-offs for that person because they're on their own journey. So they'll end up doing a copy piece because they're trying to learn, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and hopefully you don't see over and over and over again, this person just copying other people. It's hopefully that one piece that they did to learn, they probably shouldn't have posted it or said like, oh, look how creative I was yesterday. Look what I discovered because obviously they didn't. But like um, I've come to understand, I think that for most people, it's that one piece that becomes part of their stepping stone that then helps them to become, hopefully, to develop their own style. So I try to get a lot less annoyed by it because I mean, I look back when I was when I was really first starting. And um, I, so for the podcast, I interviewed uh, Gabby Diamantis um, yes, from Family Friends. But I was telling oh. her, like, she was she she was one of the people that really inspired me. So like my, some of my early work, I feel like I was like, oh, well, how did she do that? How did she do that? And then I realized, mm-hmm. like, as part, I'm like, thank God. I, there was, for me, there was like one piece that like I made that was very similar to hers. And, um, and I'm so embarrassed about it now. Like, of course, I like, took it down and I'm like oh you know like 
uh, soon after I realized like what a weird faux pas and terrible faux pas like doing something like that is. But then I realized for me like that was like my one off my one off piece that was like oh totally looking at someone else's work trying to learn and then and then I moved on. You know, so mm, my my hope yeah. is that people who do that, it really is just the one the one. <laughs> It may not be yeah. true. Who knows? I don't know. But um, but that is like the way I like to think about it because I think it gives me more peace thinking of it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. And it's about how much emotional energy are you going to invest in yeah. dwelling on the negative or yeah. do you transmute that back into your work and giving you that more encouragement to innovate and experiment and, you know, take your work to the next level so you are somewhat exploring new ground yeah. with your work. Yeah. yeah. And then ultimately, you know, changing the landscape in general for everyone else. Exactly. Mm. exactly. I think, you know, you know, you got those key artists out there who are constantly innovating. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. I yeah. have so much time and capacity to do this because it takes time, time to come up It's with totally time. You. I know. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I reckon you just got to keep on making and keep yeah. on experimenting yeah. and keep on mixing things up because no one wants the same, same stuff. Exactly. Yeah, you know? exactly. Keep it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on on Macrame Movement, um, it's, a, it's a Facebook group that I started with yeah. um, Bridie from Mary Maker Studio and we see it all the time, you know, and the thing is that people are really freaked out. They don't want to, a lot of people don't want to copy, but they don't know how else to learn. And so, mm. you know, the advice we give them is basically like, spend as much time you can learning and that's fine looking at other pieces to do that. But like, number one, don't post it. Number two, uh, if you really feel like you need to post it, then give, you know, give credit, Credit, give credit. It's so important. And it's such an easy way to like squash the bad Mm. or awkward feelings. You know, you just preempt it. You say like, Mm. this person inspired me. I'm still learning whatever, Mm. you know? Mm. And, um, you know, and I think that it's, well, it's hard. It's hard because I think people come at macrame uh, in particular, like as uh, more from a craft uh, perspective versus an art, you know? So they see that there's, I think they come at it thinking there's less freedom in it. The way that like knitting and crochet, is kind of like pattern based. Whereas like personally, I find macrame to be super freeing because you only have, yes, sure, you only have a few knots, but the combination of those knots is completely, you know, infinite, you know, the way that you can put yeah. that together. But I think, um, I think it's just encouraging people to, to try mm. to put them in different combinations, you know, like add on and, mm. and just go in yeah. like it's so, it's actually so freeing to me. So when I see that people are like, I can't do anything without a pattern. I'm like, no, you can just allow yourself (laughs) to, you know, give yourself the freedom to fuck up. You know, it's just like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's certainly interesting. I think this, this conversation will like continue after this, after this podcast and a lot of other people right now are probably already having it. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's really interesting because, um, you know, we've had people reach out to us saying, what, what, how can I respond to this instance? Or like, what would you do in this thing? Yeah. And it's like, where is that protocol? You know, yeah. like, you, that respect. You, where's that written protocol about how you should, you know, the principles of art practice and yeah. making? Um, I think it's still yet to be 
discussed further. Yeah. Um, but I think it's great that we're, we're speaking about it. Mm. It's not, we're not turning a blind eye to it because, Definitely. you know, everyone wants to create something that means something to them, but then it's also unique in the world. And that's, you know, it's a hard thing to navigate, but it mm. is, it is. I know. And you know, the, the whole question about whether or not to confront, I've, I've, con- I've confronted people <laughs> and yeah. you know what? It never ends well. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of defensiveness on the other end. And like, and I think actually through those conversations, because I, I didn't confront angrily. I think I was just like, Hey, it feels kind of crappy, you know, because I put my heart and soul Mm -hmm. in this. And then you posted it as if you created this and it's not a Mm -hmm. mistake piece. It's not like, Oh, by coincidence, this piece ended up similar. It's like you had to stare at it. Not for not, which tells me that you are talented enough to create that, you know, like if you're talented mm. enough to do that, then you're definitely talented enough to create your own thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, yeah, the thing about confronting, I think it's just, I think as long as you do it with like an open heart and like a, a and the with an intention to to teach and not reprimand, you know yeah. that there that there is a proper way or a less just you know a, I guess like a less hurtful way to go about it. Um, mm. I don't know. That's what we tell people in the Facebook group. But then we're like, and don't be afraid to share your work. I think a lot of people are afraid to share or post anything because they're like, oh my God, did I accidentally copy? And I'm like, if you have to think, oh my God, did I accidentally copy? Then you didn't. You know in your heart if you did. You really do, you know? And if it's one of those, if it's a simple piece, it's a plant hanger, whatever, like, you know what? Yes, those are going to be, they're they're out there. That's fine. Um, That's going to accidentally happen no matter what. But when we're talking about like, these big pieces that truly yeah, come pieces. from, um, yeah. you know, somewhere inside. The heart of, it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's, We it's, find macrame so interesting because we're not well-versed. Yeah, we've well. got to get on that. <laughs> actually, actually, I did try macrame class uh-huh. um, with Natalie Miller at Marianne Moody's studio in oh, Brooklyn. Cool. It was like, I was like, oh, my God, two Aussies in New York. I'm going to join. I know. I'm, That's so amazing that you went why, to that. Why not? It's like – so I went and I did this Mokame class and mate, I was just like, yeah. was just, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just like, this does not come naturally to me at all. That's so interesting. Um, I, to- I totally yeah. thought that you guys incorporated some macrame knots in your pieces. No, I would just call it insanot because like I, I literally birthed this kind of knotting There is thing. some knots. There, there, yeah. there are some knots. But they're like so they're more freeform. Yeah, yeah. There's like no there's no actual routine or structure to them. It's just nodding. Right. Right. <laughs> like um, like, like a build, meditative haphazard kind of thing. You're just like making yeah. making loops. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Doing whatever. But um yeah, the just the macrame are just like you were looking at your pieces, looking at like the yeah. likes of Bridie and, and, and Gabby, I'm just like, wow. wow. <laughs> like that's just yeah, you know, it's like dun, dun, like so like premeditated everything. And I understand there's still that free flow because you know the knots. Right. You know, you can understand, you can then, yeah. oh, I can do this now. This is leaning towards this technique and I'm going to throw that one in. I guess, you know, that could also be the same with weaving. Yeah. yeah you know, sure. there's a few different different weaving techniques and you just mix and match and come up with your own rhythm. But, yeah, macrame is definitely one thing that we're not well-versed yeah. in, but we admire very, very much from <laughs> That's so funny. I think if you had time to experiment with it or if you ever just got bored with what you're doing, you know, you pick it up and then and then somehow incorporate it back in. 
Um, but I don't yeah. know. You well, every time I see a weaving, like one of your pieces, I like really want to get back to weaving because I started weaving first before mac um, before macrame. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So um, what made you do more macrame than weaving? Um, it was kind of a business decision. No, okay. Well, that's not completely true. It was like uh, I found myself being able to uh, make larger pieces faster. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, then, yeah, and then I knew that like, you know, you can charge more for larger pieces. And so I was like, uh, you know, like if I did a weaving piece that was six feet wide and, you know, six feet tall, that would take me a month. Whereas I could do yeah. a macrame piece in whatever. So it was kind of a financial decision, but it was also like I weaving for me takes a lot more concentration. Um so like, you know, because if you miss a warp thread and you got to undo it all and like all this. So I was like, I don't know. It's to me, it's it, it it's a little bit more like it's almost like crochet, crochet where you just really have to pay more attention. Whereas yeah. whereas because I found my flow with macrame a lot easier. Um, I, yeah, I just found myself able to execute it cool. more and more meditatively and I don't have to think about it too hard. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. It's funny how, you know, everyone's different, you know, they have different preferences. Totally. So So interesting. Um, Well, anyway, I guess that's like the, that's the main part of the podcast, but I wanted to ask you guys a couple like random questions. Um, What is your favorite beverage? Oh, you first, Cass. As in like going out and not in the town or every day? Either one. (laughs) If I'm going... I out. I'll have a light teeny. I'm a I'm a lightweight, so I don't drink much. So I have anything with a lychee in it. Nice. <laughs> it's really Asian. Yeah, it really is. Asian. Uh, yeah, and then um, I I love coffee. So yeah. I think everyone loves coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got some good, good old Aussies. Good blends here in in Australia. Yeah. Apart from coffee, I love a good cold crisp cider. Nice. So you can find me in any any pub just with it. <laughs> And I can drink that like water. It's pretty bad. But yeah, I love <laughs> No, nothing wrong yeah. with that. <laughs> um, what about you? Um, I want to say rosé, but I'm also mm. just trying to drink a lot less because I'm not very yeah, good yes. at moderating. So it's either, it's like a really all or nothing thing for me. Um, Arnold Palmer for a non-alcoholic um, yeah. beverage. but Cool. Yeah. Rosé uh, is too much with hair. What? Oh yeah, <laughs> rosé to match your hair. <laughs> totally pink lipstick, pink hair, pink rosé. Yeah, it looks great. It. Thank yeah. you. Um, I mean, you guys know how hard it is to go blonde. Oh my! Oh, God. I did it once, and now I'm like trying to do the balayage to get my yeah, Asian yeah. back. <laughs> I think once yeah. you die, no Asian hair anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Like, uh, yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a whole to do. But now that I'm this, like, I can't, I feel like I can't, yeah, like it took so long to get to this that I can't mm. go dark again for a really long time. You just got to maintain. Yeah. This is your permanent look now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is my identity yeah. now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, what is one of the things on your bucket list? Oh, I would love to visit Italy. I haven't been. Oh. I love to eat Italian food. So, yeah, Italy's, just getting my ass. Really- yeah, Italy's mm. wonderful. I yeah. did study, study abroad in Florence um, in college. It was amazing. You definitely have to get there for sure. Nice. Yeah. yeah, totally. Mm. And for me, I would love to travel south. Um, 
I did South America, um, Central America with my partner. So, so we did three months in South America. And if like we could do that in Central, that would be amazing. Oh, that would be Just cool. To, yeah. I haven't done that area at all either. I would really love that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's so great. The food was amazing and just nature in general was just wow. Yeah. Did you do like the hostel thing or did you stay at like nicer places or how did you do it? Yeah. Oh, well, the, like we we did everything from Patagonia to Inca Trail to like Machu Picchu, Galapagos Islands. Mm-hmm. We did it with Intrepid purely because we just thought um, for, especially for those like long distance remote areas, it's best just to be in a group. Yeah. Um, and then and then for the remaining of it, we just did Airbnb and just did our own itineraries and stuff. I'm really grateful because my partner, he speaks fluent Spanish. Oh, nice. Um, so, that, so that was really seamless. So, yeah. Awesome. Oh, that sounds so fun. And you have to definitely do all that traveling before you have kids. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny because like now our parents, they're just like off on a holiday. I know. Every totally. every three months. And it's just like, okay, great. Like you've, you know, you raised three children. They're all adults now. You know, you're gearing up to retirement. Go have your fun. Yeah. That's true. But no, I yeah. My parents yeah. are the same way. They've been to way more countries than I have. But I'm like, you know, you deserve it now. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you had a time machine, what time, uh, what time in the past or future would you want to visit? Oh, that's a good one. So you could either say like a decade, like, a, mm. you know, decades of you know, different genres um, in, in, in history, but you can even go back to a certain time that you want to relive. Yes. I would, yeah. Or the, or the future or sometime in the future. Mm. I would go um, to the 1920s. I would be a flapper. Purely because I've been getting that you know, answer a lot. Actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I just like the whole like stylistic hair and makeup embellishment. Yeah. The fact that you you know prohibition era art deco. Um, yeah, Art Deco. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like I, at the moment, I live in this Art Deco um, house um, in Ashfield, where it's like high ceilings, like full cartouche, oh, like stained glass so windows. And oh everything. my gosh! So I love I love Art Deco stuff. That's awesome. <gasps> Yeah, I think I would go back to the seventies. Oh yeah, and I just love that's my, my 70s. that's my answer actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Just got a fire seventies playlist. Like, totally, I guess bell bottoms. Like the type yeah, bell yeah. bottoms and, and crop tops and free love. Mm. <laughs> exactly, and I guess you know, mum and dad played a lot of that music growing up. So you know, you, you like whatever music you're into is really influenced by what your parents, parents play yeah. Yeah. in the car and whatnot. Um, yeah, so love to go back to that. Oh, that's awesome. See myself with a fro. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> nice. Um, what is your current favorite like book, podcast, or TV show? Mine is Eckhart Tolle A New Earth. I oh, nice. I just play it. It's just like prayer to me, and I think it just brings me back to what really matters, and it's all about the ego and being present and, you know, spiritual awakening and whatnot. And yeah, I just really love it. His yeah. voice is, his voice is really calming. So it's a really great commute, um, commute, you know, it's something to, to listen to when commuting and when I'm leaving as well. Yeah. So and I just found that it really served me and it was a big in my head yeah. and I was 
this book needs to be implemented in like school syllabus and whatnot. So yeah, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, I'm hearing so much about that book right now um, because I've been listening to uh, Oprah's Super Soul podcast. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, that as well. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, like, that's like my go-to too. Yes, it's yeah. so good, isn't it? Oh my God. It's so good. It's like... What's were her aha moment? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oprah's every, amazing. Every episode is an aha for me. Like I'm like I'm just yeah. like basically sitting there with my jaw open, being like, yes, like life, like <laughs> all of it, spirituality yeah. and presence and and yeah. all of it, all of it. I like I can't. Um, who recommended to me? Ellen Ellen Beasy. Ellen Ellen Bruxford um, recommended it to me. And so now I've been listening to it because of her. And I was like, oh my God, it's just so good. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. I think there's also this, I don't know whether it's just from me, from where I'm seeing life, but I feel like there's a a resurgence or like this newfound movement of self-care and, Mm. you know, um, spirituality. yeah, like the journey inwards. Mm. Exactly. Absolutely. And maybe that's a comment to like the collective conscious in the world. Like, you know, we want to be woke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I wonder. I think, I mean, I, I feel like I see it happening too. And I don't know. I also wonder if it's like um uh, almost like a backlash to people being a little bit less religious in a traditional way, but yeah. still yeah. seeking, but still seeking something yeah. greater. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For us, like, like we were raised Catholic and, um, for me, like I practice yoga every day. So spiritually being on the mat and finding that space to just, um, be able to breathe and just be in the moment, mm-hmm. I find more like connected with myself than going to church yeah and it's not to say that you know um being raised catholic is you know i totally regret it it's it's who i am today and it's made me who i am but i find so much more connection through that mm-hmm. and, and even with the weaving i feel like that's my form of prayer too absolutely um, so I, yeah. I feel that as well like completely and like i, I grew up protestant um and i don't go to church anymore but uh, I don't, you know, I feel the same thing. I feel like, yo- mm. I feel like yoga and having just more of this sort of awareness of the ego and, and the, the way that we need to be present in our lives. I feel yeah. way more divine power mm. or a connection with God, even than I did being in a, yeah. in a sort of oppressive religious environment. Mm. Yeah. 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 It makes me think like, you know, our art practice is to create, right? Mm-hmm. And that ability or that action to create, like does it somewhat mirror what the divine has done in creating? So yeah. in the end it's like this subconscious prayer back to to the, you know, the higher God or the higher being or whoever you, you know, whoever's up there, whatever you believe in. It's like you're relaying that back to them what they did for us yeah you know just that act of creating because they create or Mm. he or she or mother earth created so when we're actually creating we're we're doing something closest to the divine as possible absolutely and and don't you feel like i mean it's a gift i feel like it's a a real uh like i don't know for me i feel like it's a real legitimate gift that i that i've been given i still believe in god i just it's the it's the it's the organized religion part of it and the Maybe the hypocrisy in some of the <laughs> in some of the institutions that I that that's the part that turns me off. But I feel like with the fiber practice, I have felt so much more empowerment, and I feel like that is the gift that that you know God's given me for that for what for that. I don't know. I don't want to get into it too much, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, you, I don't know. You might know what I mean. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think for, for, for me, actually being one with the weaving and actually doing it and actually having to just not think about it and just throw yourself fully into it, that's probably the, the most time where I feel less away from the ego and less from myself and just more just being mm-hmm. and being present. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it totally yeah, does. Yeah. I, yeah. Because mm-hmm. ego is, 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 the, is, the, is the self-attachment to form. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just quoting it. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I oh, know that's yeah. so awesome. You guys totally, you get me. I get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, okay, and so then my last speed round question is: What is your current favorite Instagram account, fiber or non-fiber related? Maybe just something, uh, an account that inspires you, or that you think everybody oh, should the- be following. Oh, there's so many. There's so many. I um, I I love Kino. Kino Yoga, Kina McGregor. Do you know her? She's the Ashtanga Yoga from Miami. Um, Part of my um, yoga practice, um, she's just, apart from just being incredibly great at what she does physically, spiritually, she just provides such inspiration. Um, And she talks a lot about having an equanimous mind, which is one of the underpinnings of yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, So not being, you know, left or right, but just being balanced. Um, And she just really practices a lot of everything that she writes. I'm just like, oh. What's what's um, her name again? Kina? Kino, K-I-N-O, McGregor. I think it's Kino Yoga. Um, Yeah, and um, she's just so she's so good at just reminding you to practice non-judgment, non-resistance, and non-attachment. Um, and not only through the physical practice of yoga, but through the spiritual one. Right. And yeah, I just can't get enough of her. That's awesome. Mm. I'm following her now. So I can be inspired yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. oh, this gave me some time to think. Um, I love Frankie. So her name is Amy. Um, her handle is Frank I underscore E. So Frankie um, with an underscore between I and E. So she's a ceramist out of Melbourne here in Australia. And I collect her work. So, I'm, you know, you support wow, artists that wow. you love. I just every time I go to her feed and she, her, her stuff pops up on my feed, my jaw literally drops. I got to put it back. It's and incredible. Just her, her work is just beautiful, and also like her stories on Insta and like the messages that she communicates and how she shares her vulnerabilities with her own, you know, her own situation and whatever she's going through. Uh, it just really speaks to me, hence yeah. why you know I bought work off her and I, I just love her stuff. So it's incredible. Yeah, like, I've ne- I had never heard of her before, so I'm following now. And it's really, it's really interesting. The surrealism, um, yeah, and the eyes. Wow, yeah, the eyes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, really her. cool. Just the level of detail. She doesn't, she doesn't hand, she doesn't throw on the wheel. Um, everything is just handcrafted and hand built. Um, and it's just, yeah, she's fantastic. I would love to meet her in real life. We've had some DMs, and it's just been good. But you know, that real life connection yeah, would be awesome. Totally. So, um, actually, yeah. there was one more thing I wanted to ask you guys: Is there a creative uh, practice or t- technique um, that you have not yet tried that you want to? Well, Sawari. Yeah, that's that what we're really looking forward to yeah. coming up in a few weeks. Just, it just looks so. Yeah, organic and pushing the shuttle and all of that, and you, you know you can do a lot more faster. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Have a more ground faster. And I just feel like looking at all the different works and I follow, um, we follow the ghost dancer. Oh yeah. Rhiannon, yep. I believe. Her work is so yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Like her work is stunning. So we'll definitely love to, we're looking forward to trying that. Yeah. I've, I've like, I've, I did a workshop with Brooke Munro regarding like basketry weaving and random vessels. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to incorporate that more into our crossing threads cool. um, and the, the weaving, but I haven't, we haven't had a chance just yet. Yeah. So Maybe when, when you get to do your next, stuff. when you get to do your next uncommissioned piece. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, you guys. That was like, the, that's pretty much the podcast, but I so appreciate you taking time and scheduling me in because I know how crazy busy you are. It's been really awesome oh, getting to know you. thank you for coordinating and for speaking with us. Oh it's my been gosh, awesome. Um, oh, is there anything that you guys wanted to promote that's coming up that you wanted to tell people about? Um, uh, uh, Probably not, not yet to reveal. Yeah, not yet to reveal. <laughs> Something Just in the works. A few things yeah. on the boil, but okay. nothing yet. Awesome. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, just have a have a good day. Yeah, Enjoy definitely. Life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what you guys come up with, and you know, your October sabbatical, and just I think it's going to mm. flourish and be wonderful. So, oh, I will you. see you guys on Insta. <laughs> Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow, and you can view video from this podcast on NaromaStudio.com/slash The Fiber Artist Podcast. If you enjoy the Fiber Artist Podcast, go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.